listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, one of the things that I've been kind of meditating on um, that I want to deal with you uh, about today is, you saw in the title, this thought process of the behind-the-scenes look at the Antichrist plan. And um, one of the things that is really, to me, extremely annoying, and I'm not planning for this to turn into a rant today, although people love rants. Um, One of the things to me that seems to be extremely annoying and has been for like the last two years is that people can plainly see that there are um, antichrist plans that are at work right now and they still will not acknowledge that it's an antichrist agenda behind the plans. That, that to me has got to be one of the most annoying things that there is. I mean, absolutely frustrating that things that have been prophesied in God's word uh, are coming to pass. The, uh, not just specific prophecies, but the mindset of what the Bible says the Antichrist agenda will be like is at work. And we see those things in place and people are still uh, denying that this is like an Antichrist plan, an Antichrist agenda. Uh, and so, good morning, good to see you. And so, I, it, it, to me, it's just like infuriating that you've got people that just, no, you know, that's not, that's not what it is. And it's like, dude, I don't know what else has to happen for you to recognize these things. Um, but I wanted to start with you today. And by the way, thank you for sharing the broadcast, those that are sharing it. Um, I wanted to start with you today in 1 John chapter 4. I agree with Barb. She said, it's very annoying, especially from what you thought were seasoned uh, Christians. Um, and, and I agree with you. You thought people that were much more mature, much more understanding of the Bible uh, would have got a hold of that. Dave Julson breaking in with a question here about Bible study made simple. Is that $15 a house or person? Well, Dave, we're obviously not going to penalize you if you and uh, Lisa get a subscription and watch it together since you're in the same house. I will not. I always, you know, do it. Make it happen. You'll still be blessed. <laughs> don't, don't think you're stealing anything. You've become one in marriage. It's okay. Um, but in all seriousness, I look, I look at these Christians that are acting like this is this no don't don't think that don't you guys and then they'll they'll call you a conspiracy theorist because you believe this way that's why i'm going to look uh, at a few verses with you but we want to talk we want to talk about some some behind the scenes things right now that you can clearly see were not just prophesied for the end but they've operated throughout time throughout the scripture old testament and new testament and um I'm in 1 John chapter 4, and as you've you've heard me say before, that though we use this verse for many 
things. Many applications, you've heard preachers use it uh, regarding sickness. You've heard preachers use it regarding uh, financial attacks and mental and you know, the, the, the greater one lives on the inside of us. So no matter what attack comes, the greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's true. He, the greater one, the Holy Spirit, he is greater than sickness. He is greater than disease. He is greater than uh, depression or anxiety or poverty or lack. He's greater than any of those things. But in this context here, I think it's helpful for us to read from the first verse down to the fourth verse so that we can understand it uh, fully. And let's, let's start in uh, verse 1. 1 John 4, 1. Listen to this now. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So think about this. All these, you know, what, 2,000 years ago, he's saying the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. So it's not coming. It's been here for a couple thousand years. And before it was an anti-Christ spirit, it was an anti-God spirit, which we'll deal with. And now it's in the world already. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, verse 5. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so this this whole passage from uh, verse 1 to verse 6, good morning Ashley, is talking about uh, the spirit of Antichrist that's gone out into the world, which we can clearly see at work. And... um, it's an evil spirit. It's an evil spirit. Uh, it's an anti-God, anti-Christ spirit. Um, one of the things that you'll clearly see, well, before we do that, flip back to Matthew. Let me give you one more foundational passage. Flip back to Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray uh, during the... the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Um, It's interesting here because we know the Lord's Prayer. It's funny that when I grew up playing basketball in public school, like we literally, the coach in public high school would have us lead this prayer (laughs) before every game. Some of you probably grew up that way too. I'm sure it's not that way anymore, but we literally all kneeled down as a team with like most of them not even saved and everybody knew, knew to pray it. Our Father who art in heaven. And um, we get to the last uh, part of that prayer, and Jesus prays it this way, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The interesting thing that uh, you'll find, especially if you have uh, some sort of a Bible that has footnotes at the bottom, 
as this one does. This is not a study Bible. It's just, uh, it's got footnotes about the text at the bottom. And it actually says this. Uh, this should and could be translated, deliver us not just from evil in general. Get this now. This is Matthew 6, 13. If you want to put these scriptures in the comment section. Not just necessarily evil in general, but uh, it really should and could be translated, uh, and other translations do, deliver us from the evil one is, is actually the, the, the best way to say it. Um, because if you look into the, into the Greek manuscripts for this, it doesn't just say deliver us from evil, it says deliver us from the evil. And it's personified even in the Greek text deliver us from the evil one. So rather than just evil in general, it's talking about the evil one, Satan. Deliver us from Satan and the antichrist being. And so we understand that they've it's been in the world for thousands of years. This prayer, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. So we have authority, we have power over the evil one and over the spirit of antichrist, according to 1 John 4 that we just read. So you see that this foundation is that it's not coming, it's here. I think people make a mistake. They make a mistake because they differentiate between, well, there is an actual antichrist individual who is coming. Uh, There is an individual that's prophesied about, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, the actual uh, antichrist leader. But though there is an Antichrist man who is coming, morning Jake, even though there is, there has always been a spirit of Antichrist, right? There's been a spirit of Antichrist. There's been that agenda that's in the earth that, according to John, people operate in that spirit when they deny Christ and they deny the teachings of Christ and they deny that Christ even came. So there's a spirit of Antichrist that has a plan, a specific plan that you can clearly see. Well, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to deal with today because when you understand what an Antichrist spirit does and says and is, then it gives you the ability to recognize it. And rather than just looking at that thing and saying, well, you know, that's just kind of, that's just, that's just the world. That's just, that's just life. No, it's more than that. It's an antichrist spirit at work in the world that Christians are supposed to recognize and address and take authority over and take victory over, have full victory over it. And so rather than just saying, well, you know, the world's getting worse, it's more than the world's getting worse. It's that it allows us to see something. It's a target that we are not supposed to just sit back and just think, well, you know, the world just keeps getting worse, but for, for the church, I believe it's going to get... No, there is an actual spirit that's at work in the world that we as Christians need to take our authority, stand up, and in some cases, cast out demons, cast out devils. And so what, what is, if we were going to break this down and looking at what, what are the, what are the um, signs uh, if we will look behind the scenes, um, uh, yeah, I would say all people, Aaron, that are uh, unsaved 
are operating by that spirit only because they are dead in trespasses and in sins and they're an enemy of God or as the Bible says at enmity with God. So they are not, Jesus said, you're of your father the devil. You're of your father the devil. So they don't have a spirit of Christ. They have a spirit that is anti-Christ. And that doesn't mean that every person who's an unbeliever is actively working to destroy the church or actively working to destroy Christians or the plans of God, but they are opposed to it until they get saved, until God brings them into the kingdom. So we look at these things that are going on in the world and you say, well, what kinds of things do we see that are anti-Christ, anti-God? Well, one of the things that is very plain to see is that an anti-Christ spirit seeks to control and manipulate. You put that in the comments. Number one, an anti-Christ spirit seeks to control and manipulate. They want to have control. And that's, you know, that's, that's any, anywhere through the Bible. I'll take you to several passages, but, but get this in your spirit. When you see that spirit of control and manipulation, that is an antichrist spirit. And many times it rises up in opposition to the church at large. It seeks to control and manipulate. So in an Old Testament context... Look at uh, Jezebel and Ahab. Jezebel had a, desi- a desire to control and to manipulate. Had a desire to tear down the voice of God that spoke through the prophets. What did she want to do? She wanted to murder the prophets of God. She built gallows to hang them by the neck. And she hated the voice of God speaking through the prophets of God. And so she sought to take control and to manipulate and to destroy the work of God through control. You know, it's mind-blowing to me. Now, you, you, you can see the same thing in the New Testament. That's not just an Old Testament principle. If you go into the New Testament, as soon as the resurrection took place and people started to and the day of Pentecost happened, and the church was mobilized, and the apostles started to preach, and the apostles started to teach, they were immediately uh, arrested, reprimanded, brought brought up to the high council, and and specifically forbidden from continuing to do the work of Christ. What is that? Control and manipulation. Control and manipulation. Don't ever again preach in the name of Jesus Christ. That was their command to the apostles. And what did the apostles say in response? We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. Though there was a a plan, an agenda to control and manipulate even the men of God, they were strong enough by the spirit of the, uh, the Holy Ghost that was in them to stand up and say, we'll not be quieted will not be shut up, will not be shut down. We will continue to preach Christ because we must obey God rather than man. And um, so we, we start to recognize that the spirit of Antichrist always seeks to control. So Sandra's saying, what is the Bible reference for the New, the New Testament? If you go over to the book of Acts 
you'll find uh, two passages. Number one, Acts chapter 4, Sandra, um, as, as they were brought up before the high council and they were being told not to preach anymore and they, they were upset because of the miracle that had taken place with the lame man at the gate. And uh, they, they basically spoke with such boldness, the Bible says, that those that were interviewing them said, though we can see these are ignorant and unlearned men, they can, we can also see they've been with Jesus. And that's Acts chapter 4, verse 13. So read around that area. And then, of course, Acts chapter 5, the apostles were arrested and then freed again. And um, this is where, uh, it, I'll read you Acts five twenty-seven through 29. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. So that's Acts 5, 27 through 29, Acts 4, 13, and that area. You can see these examples of control. A spirit of antichrist wants to manipulate and control the spirit of God and the people who are operating by the spirit of God. So it's, it's a, a wicked, controlling spirit. And I was just looking back over these last couple of years. And one of the things that was really irritating me is that people would not recognize that it was a, a control that targeted the church and the people of God. A control that targeted the church. People of God. Unbelievable to me. They said, no, it's not, it's not just us. It, it's, it's so mind-blowing that it, it, you, you can go into a place, you know, because I was at churches that were large. I was at churches that had plenty of space. You say, well, the reason Walmart can stay open and the reason that Home Depot can stay open is because, you know, it's a large enough space. You know, for, I've been, I went to churches that were being shut that were large enough spaces, and had the, had the technology to clean the air and all that stuff. And they still wanted them shut. And they still wanted them, no, no gathering, uh, you know, all the, all the stuff. It's distancing or whatever. No singing. And people say, well, it's, it's, not, it's not targeted against the church. Oh, really? Then explain to me how when all that stuff was going down. And uh, you go to New York City. And churches are all fully shut down. Yet when Muslims were celebrating one of their holy days and holy seasons, instead of shutting them down, uh, de Blasio actually provided them with food and water as they were out celebrating. How was it the Jews were being taken off the streets in New York City? I mean, this, this was like unprecedented. Orthodox Jews being taken off the streets Whereas Muslims uh, were, were being given food, water, unprecedented. And those things will not be forgotten. Don't think they will be. And then churches have to completely shut down and stay silent. And you say, well, don't think it's an attack against the church. Don't think it's an attack against God's people. This is just, this is nationwide. It's nationwide except for Walmart. It's nationwide except for Home Depot and Lowe's. It's nationwide except for casinos. It's nationwide except for Planned Parenthoods. It's nationwide except for liquor stores. You see, 
And so all the foolishness that people refused to see, refused to see. Now, I understand there were other things that were shut down. I get that. But how is it that uh, while Christians are being shut down, Muslims were being encouraged? (laughs) Because it's not the same thing. And there is an anti-Christ spirit that's at work in the earth that has a desire to control and to manipulate. There's no question about that. Old and New Testament, you see it time and time and time again. That when a spirit of antichrist is at work, there's a controlling force and a manipulative force that you will see in action. You'll clearly see it in action. So that's one thing you'll see very plainly. Number two, there's a a, a murderous and a violent spirit that manifests when an antichrist spirit or agenda is at work. That's number two. A violent and murderous spirit is at work. A violent and murderous spirit is at work. You put that in the comments. And you can see it. You can see it. That when there is an anti-God, anti-Christ atmosphere, it brings an, a, a murderous and violent spirit that begins to work. You, you see it in the Old Testament. Look at Pharaoh, who is the very picture of sin. You know, Pharaoh is used as a type of Satan in the Old Testament. Egypt used as a type of sin. And so the people of God are brought into what? Captivity, slavery, mistreated. Look at this anti-God spirit, anti-Christ spirit, you know, abusing the people of God, mistreating the people of God, enslaving the people of God, harassing the people of God. And look what happened, especially as they knew, uh, as the, even the spirit knew that a deliverer was coming. Doesn't it blow your mind that when the, the spirit knew that a deliverer was coming, there was an order that went out to begin to murder all of the babies, all the babies, murder the babies. How amazing that when that deliverer was on the way to come and take God's people out of bondage, that that murderous spirit issued that order to begin to, right now I want you to kill every baby that's born, kill them all, kill them all. What gave place to that murderous, violent spirit? An anti-God spirit. An anti-God spirit. Kill the babies. Kill the babies. Kill the babies. It happened in the New Testament. That's what Pharaoh ordered, but that's also what King Herod ordered when Jesus was coming. And they knew that a king was being born. And Herod gave the order. Kill all of the babies two and under. Kill all of the babies, two and under. What's happening? It's a murderous, antichrist, evil spirit at work. Abortion is driven by an antichrist, anti-God, demonic spirit. I know that's not popular in 2022. That's not a popular thing to say. It's not a popular thing to teach or even hold as a belief. But I'm telling you flat out, 
that abortion is not just a choice. It's abortion's not just a medical procedure. It is a demonic act that is driven by an anti-Christ, anti-God spirit. Destroying the image and the likeness of God. It's exactly what it is. Destroying the image and the likeness of God. The devil hates humanity. The devil hates humanity. Did you ever wonder why people are so uh, willing to just immediately murder babies rather than, you know, even say, well, you say, well, there's many people that aren't in financial position, you know, to, to take care of children or whatever that, and, and they, you know, they don't even, nobody even wants to speak about adoption. There are other ways around uh, uh, doing something that will help you and the child rather than killing it. See, but it's an anti-Christ, anti-God agenda. Rather than just letting the child live, having the baby, giving it up for adoption, whatever, just killing, destroying, murdering. It's an anti-Christ spirit. It's a demonic thing. And it's something that we saw in the Old Testament. It's something that we see in the New Testament. And it continues on today. You see uh, that anti-Christ violence everywhere you look. On Disorder and unrest is anti-Christ. It's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-God. Look at when they shut the churches down. Look what the nation looked like. Look what the nation looked like. Look how suicide went on the rise. Look how violence went on the rise. Look how rioting was on the rise. People couldn't figure out, I don't understand what's going on. I know what's going on. You shut down the salt and the light, and then you wonder why you get plunged into darkness. You get plunged into darkness. You get plunged into decay, moral decay. And yes, Miss Jerry, that's exactly what's going on in the world today. No question. And it's a demonic thing that the enemy is trying to do to destroy a generation. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-God. All of these terrorist attacks that you see are anti-God, anti-Christ. No question about it. No question about it. Every one of these things you see happening. It's not just that people are angry. It's not political differences. It's not even religious differences. It is an anti-Christ, anti-God spirit. Boko Haram, Al-Qaeda, all these different terrorist groups are driven by an anti-Christ spirit, driven by demon spirits. If you don't think that's true, you go look at what they do to people. You go look at what they do to people that they take. You go look at what Boko Haram does to the Nigerian girls that they take out of their homes. You go research it for yourself. I mean, don't do it if you don't have a strong stomach. You can't tell me that that's just, well, that's just their religion. That's just their political differences. That's just their religious preference. No, it's a demon spirit that drives them. Boko Haram, Al-Qaeda, terrorist groups. It's not anything about religious differences or, or political differences. They're driven by demons. Human trafficking. You know why? Driven by demons. Driven by demons. And uh, it's happening all over the world because there's an antichrist spirit at work. You see it happening. And people say, well, there's just bad people out there. No, it's not that there's just bad people out there. There are people 
who have been given over to demon spirits and demonic forces that are at work in the earth. And people don't think that stuff's real. It's more real than you are in the natural realm because the supernatural realm is more real than the natural realm. What do you think? We're going to get to heaven and it's going to be less real than what we're on right now, the world in the natural realm? No, it'll be more real. Everything that exists came out of that supernatural realm. And I'm just telling you, ISIS, demon spirits, demon spirits, all of these things are driven by the demonic. And one of the things that you'll understand is all of the violence, all of the unrest, all of the disorder that you see that's going on throughout the world, it's not just driven by an antichrist spirit, it is Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Because Jesus himself said and taught that before he returned, that the world would be like it was in the days of Noah. And if you go back and study the days of Noah, you'll find that everywhere God looked, there was violence and corruption. Violence and corruption. Everywhere that God looked. To the point that he, the Bible says that he was sorry that he'd ever made the earth. And so Jesus said, before I return, the earth will get into that state again of extreme violence and extreme corruption. You're seeing it everywhere you look. You're seeing it everywhere you look. You're seeing people murdering each other, terrorist attacks, abortion at an all-time high. You're seeing all these things take place because it's one of the signs of the return of Christ. And he prophesied it. So number one, a controlling, manipulative spirit. Number two, it is a murderous and a violent spirit. What about number three? Number three is interesting. Number three is represented by a spirit of perversion. It's very clear. You see it throughout the Bible. Uh, Anytime you reject Christ and you reject God, it always leads uh, to that place a spirit of perversion. I want to show you, um, I'll I'll read it to you obviously from Romans chapter 1, and you can see it with me, Romans chapter 1 starting with verse 18, and I'll read through uh, maybe verse 31, but we'll, we'll, we'll go down through. Listen to this. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So notice that. Unrighteous men, through their unrighteousness, are suppressing the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, can be clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They had idols. They built idols instead of worshiping God. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, 
and worshiped and served the, crea- the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Look at verse 26 through 28. Uh, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. You see that? And so uh, when that anti-God spirit took over, when that anti-Christ spirit at work, the Bible says God's not going to force people to do something they don't want to do. He's not going to force you to serve him. He's not going to force you to uh, uh, become a Christian and to make Christ the Lord of your life. He won't force you. And they didn't want it. They wanted idolatry. They wanted to live in wickedness. And so he turned them over to do what they wanted to do. And as a result, look what it led to. It led to extreme perversion. The Bible's clear on it. The Bible's clear on it. It led to extreme perversion. Look what happened where Lot lived. Look exactly what what happened where Lot lived. Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says wickedness had filled that whole area to the point where God was ready to destroy it. God was ready to immediately destroy it. And his unrighteousness had filled that, those twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. What was the main thing you saw there? Well, according to the scripture, what you saw was extreme sexual perversion in those twin cities. To the point where when two angels came to get Lot out, the men of those cities saw the angels and demanded that Lot turn the angels over to them so that they could have sex with the angels. And even Lot, was like, this is Lot who'd been living there for too long, was like, this is extremely wicked. You cannot do this. And offered them his virgin daughter. Total perversion, total wickedness is what happens when you're turned over to the spirit of Antichrist. And so you're seeing it all through the world. And you're seeing there's no, there's absolutely no shame for anything that anybody is doing. Why? Because as we get closer, once again, to the coming of Christ, Jesus prophesied again. And he said, it's not just going to be like it was in the days of Noah. It will also be like it was in the days of Lot. And of course, I just described what that was like a spirit of perversion at work in the earth. One of the things that is uh, very, very dangerous is that we have a, a culture currently that uh, is claiming that God, even if they, if they do claim God, if they don't claim God, many of them are not Christians, many of them are atheists, anti-God, but what about the ones that uh, are claiming to be Christians? You know, there's a whole group, if you don't know this, there's a whole group of people that are on the earth who um, claim to be Christians. They claim to be in the church, that they want uh, homosexual pastors to be ordained. They want to uh, have that full inclusion into the body of Christ. They refuse to look at these things as sin or wickedness. 
They, they refuse to look at these things uh, as God describes them in his word, but they're, they're literally making emendations to the word of God, changing it to be what they want it to be. And, and there's a whole group of people that are comfortable saying, well, God made a mistake when he made me. God's a liar. You know, God's a failure. That's basically what, what they're claiming. Because, you know, there's many that are claiming uh, these things based upon their gender identity, their sexual identity, all these different things. God made a mistake when he made me, is what they're claiming. And the Bible tells us that these things would be signs that Jesus is getting ready to come back. The Bible tells us that these are things that are governed by an anti-Christ agenda, an anti-God agenda. And so it's another, it's a sign that what you begin to see, the antichrist spirit is at work. Did you ever ask yourself, why do you think the antichrist spirit wants people to doubt their identity so badly? Did you ever wonder that? Because <laughs> this is a really interesting thing to know, that whatever God does, whatever God wants to be done, the devil tries to do the opposite, right? That seems like a pretty uh, simple concept to understand. Whatever God does and whatever God wants to be done, the devil wants to do the exact opposite of that thing. So you've got Christ, anti-Christ. You've got God, anti-God. So it's true even down to the, the concepts that God wants to be instituted in the earth. A God-defined marriage. Uh, uh, an anti-Christ-defined marriage. Comes right down to everything we have. One of the interesting ones is identity. Because if you study the New Testament scriptures, one of the things that you're going to clearly see through the writing of the apostles is that they wanted Christians to clearly understand their identity. Paul took a lot of time, a lot of time, to make sure Christians understood their identity. Made sure Christians understood who they were in Christ, what it meant to be in Christ, the benefits from being in Christ. Made sure that Christians understood that they are now that they've been adopted and translated, they're not the old person anymore. You know how, do you know how serious Paul was about getting people to understand that now that you're a Christian, your whole identity has changed. Your whole life has changed. He was huge on that because there has to be a mindset change once there's a spiritual change, right? And, and, and so look, he went hard on making sure Christians understood their identities. So did Peter. So did the other apostles. You look at the things Peter said to get people to understand we're a royal priesthood now. We're a holy nation called to show forth his greatness. We're different. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a brand new creation. The old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. It's an identity change. If you belong to Christ, 
then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Why? Paul, Paul told that to the Galatians. You don't have to tell that to Jews. The Jews already believed they were Abraham's seed. They didn't need to be told that, but Gentiles needed to be instructed that uh, you're different now. Though you didn't used to be in the family of God, you're in the family of God now. He's adopted you. He's brought you in. He has grafted you into the vine. Notice that. And now if you belong to Christ, see he's, he's bringing these things together, Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Somebody who wasn't even in the family now becomes someone who's able to receive an inheritance? That, that makes no sense. I'm in the will of God now? I'm in, I, he put me in his will because I became part of the family. And so now the inheritance is mine. The inheritance is mine. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing to understand. There's an identity change. I'm not who I was. Well, if God wants you to be sure about your identity, then what do you think the Antichrist agenda wants? For you to be unsure about your identity. For you to doubt your identity. For you to struggle with your identity. For you to be depressed and anxious over gender dysphoria and uh, all these different things that are happening in our generation right now where people are totally depressed, totally anxious, totally suicidal because of their uh, identity crisis. It's an identity crisis. It's a terrible thing to, to struggle and to suffer. And that's what the enemy wants, people to struggle and suffer because they don't understand who they are. There are people that very clearly would, would tell you that uh, this is going to continue in me, this depression, this anxiety, these suicidal thoughts, because uh, I'm, not, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I, I, you know, I'm just not. I look in the mirror, I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be. You know, this is not the body I'm supposed to have. There's people that hold those thoughts. And the devil has lied to them, make them feel like you're not who you're supposed to be. When God doesn't make mistakes, God is not a failure. God's not a failure. God does what he intends to do. And he didn't make a mistake with you. Yes, Don, we're live. God didn't make a mistake with you. God created you. God created you in his nature, in his likeness, in his image. And so when God wants you to understand your identity, the spirit of this world, the spirit of Antichrist, wants you to doubt your identity and not even know who you are. Not even know who you are. And it's an attack of the devil. Well, what's so, what's so important about that? Well, the thing that's important about that is that when your identity is stolen from you, when you don't know who you're supposed to be, can you imagine how that affects the call and the purpose of your life. You don't understand who you're called to be. You don't understand what you're created to do. And then it puts you in a place where you cannot be impactful. Cannot be impactful. And so I'm encouraging you. This spirit of antichrist, it's not just something to say, well, the world's getting worse. No, the, the, as we encounter the spirit of antichrist, 
We are called and anointed to tear down the spirit of Antichrist. Tear it down. Look with me at 1 John again. We're going to go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 now. We started in chapter 4. Now we're jumping back to chapter 3. And um, I want to read this uh, passage to you because the reason I'm putting this in front of your eyes is because I also want you to understand you are anointed not just to, First uh, John 4, 4 says, have a greater spirit in you than that, the one that's in the world. What's the purpose of having a greater spirit than the one that's in the world if you don't do anything with it? if you don't do anything with the spirit that you've been given. So we're going to deal with that now. With the help of a grape Zevia. 1 John chapter 3, brought to you by Zevia, zero calorie soda. Uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, listen now. The Bible says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Was to destroy the works of the devil. Very powerful verse. Jesus Christ showed up, was sent on a mission to destroy the works of the devil. And he did. And he did. And then he didn't stop there. He empowered the apostles and the early church and you and I to continue to destroy the works of the devil. In fact, if you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 14... The 12th verse uh, is extremely encouraging. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so notice here that Christ is giving them an expectation about what's to happen when he leaves. And of course, as he's referencing, if you keep on reading in context, he starts to talk about the Holy Spirit who's coming. He said, uh, not only did he say greater works than these will you do, but he tells us why. Because I'm going to be with my father. And then that later he tells us, and when I go to the Father, this is verse 16 now, John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, because he dwells in you, and he will be in you. So he's, this is what Jesus is saying. The reason you'll be able to do greater works and continue to do what I'm doing, which is to destroy the works of darkness and the spirit of Antichrist, 
is because not only will you be redeemed through my passion, but then I'll send you the Holy Ghost who will fill you and empower you and you'll do even greater works than I've done. Think about that. And so Jesus didn't just look at the apostles and the early church, the Christians, and say, well, you know, um, I'm actually just, I'm the son of God, so I'll be doing these things, but I don't expect you to ever be able to be on my level. He never said that. He said, the works that I do, you'll do them also. The works that I do, you'll do them also. The works that I do, you'll do them also. And greater works. You know, Jesus never got anybody filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus never got one person. He never laid hands on one person and saw them baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not one. The Holy Spirit hadn't been sent yet in that way. But now, we have the ability to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus was only in ministry for three and one-third years. I've already been ministering, what? Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen. Six, over six times longer, about to be seven times longer than Jesus did? That's amazing. He only had a very short ministry on the earth, three and a third years. And so, as one preacher said, the works that we do that are greater than Christ, they won't be greater in quality, but they'll be greater in quantity. Put that in the comments. Our works won't be greater in quality, but they'll be greater in quantity. There's, uh, there are many who ministered much longer than Jesus. And of course, we know many that, we've seen people that, there were millions of people saved through their ministry. They won't be better in quality. I mean, Jesus raised the dead. Jesus cast out devils. Jesus multiplied loaves and fish. Jesus walked on the water. Jesus, he, did the, he cast out demons. He did the impossible. So the things that we do, they won't be greater in quality. How do you get greater than the things Jesus did? But in quantity, in quantity. Hmm. So uh, it's very important to understand that you've been anointed to do what Jesus did, which is to tear down the spirit of Antichrist tear down the spirit of antichrist and when you see it in the world it's not to just sit there and look and say yeah you know that's just prophesied that's just prophesied those things are going to happen that's going to be there you know it's going to get bad no we see it we recognize it we discern it to be mobilized to destroy the works of the devil wherever we see them we take authority why do you think we fast and pray why do you think we fill ourselves with the word of God? Why do you think we pray and pray in the Holy Ghost? Why do you think that we put ourselves in position to be used by God? It's because we have a mission. We have a purpose. We have a calling. And every single one of us are filled with the very same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. It dwells. He dwells in us. And today, he continues to quicken, strengthen, make alive, startle, if you will, our mortal bodies. That's the Holy Spirit. He's giving you supernatural strength. Supernatural strength. He's leading you by His Spirit. He's given you power and has given you power to do the work of the ministry. 
You say, well, I'm not in the ministry. Every Christian is called to do the work. Every one of us is called to see souls saved. Every one of us can see people filled with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Every one of us. If you've got the Holy Ghost, then you've got the gifts of the Holy Spirit at your disposal. And he manifests those gifts so that you can manifest his power and his glory. So don't ever just look at yourself and say, well, that's something that just preachers do. That's something my pastor does. That's just something that, you know. No, it's something that you are empowered to do. It's something that you have the ability to do. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your education level. I mean, look at these men. These men had almost no education. The ones that stood before the high council. Acts 4.13. They had almost no education. But that didn't matter, did it? You've got those men that had next to no education. And then you had somebody like the Apostle Paul who had more education than probably anybody in the New Testament. Fully, fully educated, extremely intelligent, on the fast track for leadership. So you had a man who had extreme education, you had some men who had almost no education, and it made no difference whatsoever. They both did the work that God called them to do and were impactful in their generation. And there's nothing wrong with education, I'm not bemoaning education, but notice that Paul found out it wasn't his educational prowess that allowed him to do the work God called him to do. And he learned his lesson and recognized he had to lean on the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so every one of us should never come up with an excuse. Well, this is why I can't. This is why I don't have the ability. This is why. No, you do have the ability. You doesn't matter your background, your education, doesn't matter what family you came from, which side of the tracks you grew up on. Be encouraged on this Friday that you're full of the power of God and you have the ability to accomplish the purpose of God before Jesus comes back. That no matter what spirit of Antichrist is roaming through this world, the greater one lives on the inside of you. The greater one lives on the inside of you and you've been empowered to do that same work that Jesus did. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, don't ever be discouraged. Don't be discouraged at what's going on throughout this world. Be encouraged knowing that the Bible says where sin does abound, grace does much more abound and that you are in position to see God do the greatest things. And if you're not, get in position. Get in position. You know, prepare yourself for the best days you've ever had. And I want to pray for those of you that are watching and listening at the end of this broadcast because I can see clearly the things ramping up everywhere we look. All the prophecies of Christ coming to pass and being fulfilled. Wars, rumors of wars, perversion, violence, corruption. All of it at a crescendo. You realize Jesus said they would be like birth pains. Like when someone's pregnant. The contractions, they get more severe, but they get closer and closer together. See? So it's important to understand that Jesus is teaching, it's not just a one-time occurrence, is that they'll continue and continue and continue, but they'll get closer together and they'll get greater in intensity, like a birth, 
until that baby is born or until Christ returns in the analogy. And that's what's happening right now. You're seeing it everywhere around the world because Jesus is coming. But every one of us, we're going to do what God's called us to do before it's too late. So let me pray. Father, I thank you that you've deposited your Holy Spirit on the inside of every one of your children. Lord, we thank you that that same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead, not only is it dwelling in us, but that power, that resurrection power is available to every one of us to do the work which you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I ask you today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would, number one, give us a fresh boldness. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would give in us, give to us, a hate for the Antichrist spirit, an, a hate for the how it's destroying lives throughout the world. Give us a hate for what's going on in this wicked world, but give us a compassion for people. Give us a compassion for the people that are struggling, that are dying, that are hurting. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would uh, give every one of us a fresh fire, a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name. Use us in this year. We declare this is a march filled with miracles. We're going to see your power. We're going to see your spirit move, manifest. Let this be our year, as we've been declaring, of divine possession, ownership. We'll have what we've never had. We'll do what we've never done. We'll go where we've never gone in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We give you praise for what's about to take place in Jesus' mighty name. Now open the doors for us, Lord, we ask you to do the greatest work for your kingdom we've ever done. Open the doors and close doors that the enemy tried to keep open to harass our families and lives. I pray for those that are watching that need a touch from your spirit. Today, heal them, Lord. Set them free. Give them peace. Give them joy. Touch them by your power. You'll get all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you receive it, throw some fire in the comments section. Glory to God. I'm telling you, I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you. I can't wait to see how God's going to use you. Let me encourage you on this Friday to sow a seed by faith into this ministry, to partner with Carolyn and with me as we're taking the gospel of Jesus Christ literally around the world. And um, there on the screen, you can see how to do that. MiracleWord.com, all of the ways to give are listed. Sow your seed by faith. Do something that takes actual faith, something that's going to move the hand of God in your direction. And um, for those of you that are sowing in the month of March, we want to send you a gift. And so for those that have partnered to $85 or more, we're going to send you Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions, Faith Building. For those that are standing at $250 or more, we're going to include with that The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. This is a revelation, a book filled with revelation. I got it first in Bible school and loved it immediately. Continue to uh, go through it after I got out of Bible school. You'll love it. And then, of course, those that are sewing at $1,000 or more, we're going to be including the Net Study Bible, full notes edition, 60,000 translators' notes uh, in that one Bible. And so it'll be a blessing to you. And we want to say thank you for standing with us and sowing seed. Praise God. Yeah, you do, Gina. Because Carolyn and I are going to be live again together today at 2 o'clock p.m. doing a question and answer session. I'm not sure what Scott was talking about, but this is a Zevia organic, non-GMO, four ingredients, good for you. 
Quit being weird, Scott. You got a spirit of weirdness that's come upon you. <laughs> He's battling a spirit of weirdness. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be live all next week, Monday through Friday. I'm in the studio. For those of you that had like three people last day, is it live? We're live. We're back. And um, before we leave to go uh, jump into revival again for a, what? I think three weeks in a row, right, Tiff? About three weeks in a row. Um, we want to um, we want to take this next week, which I, I'll, I'll announce what, what we're getting ready to do. But um, I want to take this next week to teach you. And then remember, we're only 17 days away from registration for Bible study made simple. And um, I'm so excited. I, I'm actually more excited about this program than any other uh, course we've released in Miracle Word University. I'm more excited because it's something that we're, I'm, I'm, I'm literally getting so many questions about it. Um, people ask all the time in DMs and questions about their Bible study. And uh, I really cannot look, wait, wait until we get to jump into this and look at Scripture together, look how to do Scripture together. It's, the technical term is hermeneutics, but all that means is by proper Bible study principles. And that's what we're going to be teaching, proper Bible study principles that help you to rightly divide the Word of God. And um, not only that, after we walk you through those things, and by the way, can I just say, uh, this is not going to be over your head. This is not going to be some super scholarly thing where you're like, I don't even know if I understand. It, uh, we're breaking it down. Many of the videos, really, that we've done already um, are broken down into really about 10-minute chunks. Wouldn't you say, Tiff, right around there? About 10-minute chunks. So though the principle may be something you've never studied before or never heard before, you'll be able to uh, digest it very easily. And uh, we take time to explain all the principles. And when we're done explaining the principles, then we're going to go together through Bible studies. And we'll go through, you know, topical, doctrinal, book studies, character studies, word studies, devotional studies. And uh, we'll talk about that. It's very affordable, $15 a month. It launches March the 28th. Uh, but registration's only open uh, until April the 10th. And it closes until... Uh, late until late fall, really. And uh, so if you're not a part of it at the beginning, you're going to miss all of that. We'll have a private Facebook group um, where we'll do live question and answer sessions and you'll be able to interact. It's going to be a, a very uh, interactive Bible study where you'll be a part of it. You'll be able to talk to each other. We'll be able to talk and go through these things. It's going to be extremely encouraging. Um, you're going to get more out of your Bible reading than you ever have. Uh, as we apply these principles. So very much looking forward to it. Bible study made simple. We'll roll out everything very soon for you and you'll be able to uh, uh, take a look at more information. But I'm excited. I love you guys. Again, don't forget, today, 2 o'clock, Carolyn and I are back together. Thank you for those that are sew sewing. Love you, Lynn and It's going to be great. Thank you to those that are partnering. We love you. And uh, have a great lunch. And I'll see you in just a couple of hours. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.